Lord, if you had told me to give the people affirmation, you'd told me to preach 10 keys for a happy life, this would all be fine being a prophet. But you've told me to bring a message that is deeply unpopular and that the people will not receive. Have you ever felt like that about the gospel? Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I've got to ask, have you ever felt like Jeremiah? (laughs) Well, the answer is yes. And I think every Christian who takes a serious stand for the gospel is going to feel like that sometime. There is an inherent offense in the message of the cross. That's 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. And Jeremiah was experiencing this. I've got to bring a message that actually involves judgment as well as ultimately salvation. Jonah had the same experience. He has to go to Nineveh. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. If you really take your stand with the gospel, you have to say some things that people do not want to hear, as well as some things that are glorious and absolutely wonderful. And and that's perhaps one reason why there's a pressure on Christians to move away from the gospel and say, let's just uh, uh, communicate a message that's acceptable to all and will be received well by all. But that's not being faithful to the word that God has given. That's what we're called to do. It's to be faithful. So today we're in Jeremiah chapter 20, continuing the message, Disappointed Hopes. Here's Pastor Colin. I actually think the Beatles caught the flavor of this feeling of Jeremiah's in their song, Eleanor Rigby. Remember that one? Eleanor Rigby died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Father Mackenzie, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave, no one was saved. Ah, look at all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? Ah, look at all the lonely people. Where do they all belong? And the deep disappointment of his experience that he had not made a breakthrough in his ministry gives rise to these deep questions that are like waves that are pouring over his soul. And so finally comes verses 14 to 18 to say that he wished that he had never been born. Cursed be the day I was born, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. So no point in singing, Happy birthday, Jeremiah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jeremiah. Happy birthday to you. Because he would simply say to you, there's no such thing as a happy birthday for me. I wish I'd never been born. My birthday was a disaster. In fact, he says, verse 17, that he wishes that he had been aborted. It would have been better for me not to have lived if I was to know that life was as painful and as sorrowful as this. Verse 18, why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And that is where the chapter ends. Now, of course, there is a glimpse of triumph in verses 11 to 13. Did you see that there? Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hand of the wicked and so forth. And it would be kind of nice if that bit came at the end, wouldn't it? It would be a nicer ending. And there are some liberal commentators who say, well, you know, this part of the text must have been displaced. You know, perhaps some editor dropped it on the floor and put it in the wrong place and didn't realize that really you should have the happy bit at the end. 
Thank God this is the Word of God and it speaks to life as it is. And anyone who has been in the depth of sorrow knows that this battle is not a one-off fight. It is a recurring kind of a battle and experience. What happens is that you face some of these deep, deep questions. Then you feel you've come to a point where you've seen some light and you've gained some resolution. But then a few weeks later, you find that you're torturing through the whole thing again. That's how it was for Jeremiah. And anyone who's been into the darkness of this kind of valley knows that God is speaking precisely to what it's like today. Now, I'm so grateful that the Scriptures raise these issues, that they speak to us in the deep pains of disappointed hopes. And it's a wonderful thing that God intentionally, therefore, raises the question, what are we to do when you are disappointed with God? How are you to respond to that? Because that is the issue that is being raised here in this Scripture. The great questions that arise out of the experience of disappointment in life, wherever that may have come for you. Now, I want to suggest three things from the Scripture this morning. The first is simply tell him. For the best thing that you can do with a broken heart is to pour it out in the presence of God. Jeremiah gives us a wonderful, wonderful model of this. Each week we have had a prescription that is designed to help with each of the particular varieties of doubt that we may experience. And our spiritual discipline that is a prescription for today is the spiritual discipline of honest confession, of pouring out before God what it is that you feel, the questions that are unresolved, the frustrations and the pain that you are struggling with, Bring it out into the open before him. That is what we are learning from this passage. You see, you know that in any relationship, when it comes under strain, the only way to strengthen a relationship is to deal with that person directly. If I have a relationship with someone under strain, I have to deal with them directly. Now, if my relationship with God comes under strain, what am I to do? Go speak to a pastor, go speak to a counselor. Well, these may be good things to do. But at some point, I have to speak to God about it directly if that relationship is to be strengthened. And that's precisely what Jeremiah does. He says some terrible things. But at least he says them to God. And he says them to God because he has a relationship with God, a relationship that is under strain, yes, but a relationship nonetheless. Michael Weschler reminded us of the importance of this subject in the summer when he preached a sermon here on the book of Psalms entitled, The Privilege of Honest Complaint. And the Psalms are full of these honest questions of disappointed hopes, and they're brought out into the open in the presence of God. What do you do when you're struggling like this? Tell him. Tell him. But not only that, believe him. Believe him. See, when your feelings or your experience contradicts your faith, you need to decide which one to believe. When what 
I have trusted in the Word of God, and my experience of life seemed to be in contradiction together. I need to decide which one speaks truth and which one is prone to error. Now, consider two statements that we may put alongside each other. Number one, God is there. Number two, I do not experience God as being there. Now, there are some people who look at these two statements and think, well, there's a complete contradiction there. If, if I don't experience God as being there, that means that God is therefore not there. But I want to suggest to you this morning that there is no contradiction between these two statements. Both can be true at the same time. The statement, God is there, is a statement about God. The statement, I do not experience God as being there, is a statement about me. And the Bible reminds us that there are often times when we may, for different reasons, not be able to feel or to experience God's presence when he hides his face from us. That does not mean that he is not there, but simply that for a time, he is hidden from my view. I do not feel or experience him as at other times. I was greatly helped at this point by the experience of Jeffrey Bull. Some of you may know that name. He was a great Christian missionary and leader of a previous generation. Jeffrey Bull was imprisoned for his faith in China. He was tortured. He was horribly abused. When he was finally released, rather like Jeremiah, he went into a deep personal struggle over the questions of his faith. He said at one point, he almost despaired because he could not even say the words of the Lord's Prayer with meaning. And by the way, I've spoken with a number of folks who, after bereavement or some great trauma has come into your life, you've said, you know, I come to church, but I find it difficult to connect now. I I find it difficult to put meaning into the words. It seems distant from me. Well, that was the kind of thing that Jeffrey Bull was experiencing very, very deeply indeed. Of course, at first, he began to wonder, does does this mean that my faith is just a sham, that God is actually not there at all, that he does not exist, that it was merely a delusion that I was living in? But over time, he came to understand the reason for his not experiencing God to be there. He put it like this. You know how if you go through a door and you bang your funny bone, you lose sensation in your arm for a time. Or if someone bangs you or kicks you in the side of the thigh, you lose feeling in your leg for a time. Well, said Jeffrey Bull, he began to understand that this was what had happened to him, the trauma of what had hit his mind and his body had brought a kind of numbing for a time to the senses of his soul. Which meant that even when he tried to worship, the whole thing for a time seemed to be somewhat distant. The problem was not that God was not there. God was there. 
The problem was that the capacities of his own mind and his own frame had been impaired temporarily so that he did not experience God as being there. He held to what he believed from the Word of God and found that with time there was a healing within his soul. And he began again to be able to perceive and to feel the presence and the comfort of a God who had been there all along. Now, Jeremiah gives us a wonderful example of this. He's going through enormous pain that's pouring like a fountain out of his soul. He brings it all into the presence of God. But with all of that, he does not cease to believe the word of God that has been given to him. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Disappointed Hopes, part of the larger series, Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. Maybe you've been wrestling with doubts, or maybe you know someone who has. You can find out more and obtain a copy of the series as an MP3 download, completely free, on our website, openthebible.org.uk. Now, let's get back to the message, Disappointed Hopes. Here's Pastor Colin. The problem was not that God was not there. God was there. The problem was that the capacities of his own mind and his own frame had been impaired temporarily so that he did not experience God as being there. Now, Jeremiah gives us a wonderful example of this. He's going through enormous pain that's pouring like a fountain out of his soul. He brings it all into the presence of God. But with all of that, he does not cease to believe the word of God that has been given to him. If I could give an example that comes from much closer to home for Karen and myself. Just over a year ago, We were back with Karen's family in England, and uh, all the talk was about her youngest sister's baby that was due to be born within a few days. We were gathered on the beach one afternoon, and a phone call came saying that Kathy was in great pain. It turned out that the placenta had split, and Kathy was rushed into hospital for an emergency delivery of the baby. Megan was born and was immediately placed on a ventilator. After two weeks, she was making little or no progress, and she was special airlifted to a unit in Southampton, a specialist unit where she received open-heart surgery. Two months later, she had a further procedure to open the aorta tube that enters the heart. The process failed. They did it again. It failed again. She then had to have further heart surgery. One of the greatest anxieties over these weeks when she was utterly dependent on a ventilator and then the months that followed was that Megan gained very, very little weight. She has come through a year of trauma backwards and forwards to the hospital, but at this point, nobody knows for sure the damage that may have been done to her development. When she reached her first birthday this year, she was unable to sit. And when Wayne and Kathy asked the specialist about his 
prognosis for the future and particularly said, will she be able to walk? The specialist declined to answer the question. After a year of trauma and all kinds of unresolved questions, my youngest sister-in-law and brother-in-law had decided that they wanted to have a special service of dedication and that it should coincide with Megan's first birthday and be a celebration of her surviving that year. They're part of a very small congregation in the southwest of England who really have reached out to them in love and prayer and support. And the whole service on a Sunday morning this summer was dedicated to that celebration and that expression of faith. It was like a kind of invasion. Karen is one of six children in her generation of the family, so when you multiply that across the generations, it becomes a lot of people to invade a small church on a Sunday morning. They well more than doubled their usual congregation, not only with an invasion of family, but many, many friends of Wayne and Kathy's, colleagues who were not believers from Wayne's school, neighbors, one man who's writing a book commending atheism, they were all there. Karn's father played, she read, her sister sang, I had been asked to preach. The highlight of the service was when Wayne and Kathy spoke. Kathy spoke about their most difficult year in life and how their faith had been tested. Then Wayne got up as a young Christian and thanked everyone who had supported them. Right now, he said, we don't know what the future holds for Megan. I have all kinds of unanswered questions about life right now, he said. And I still have some desperately low points. But I want you to know that I believe in God. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for me. And then he sat down. It was one of the finest confessions of faith I have ever heard. For sometimes we confess that Jesus is Lord with raised hands and with joyful hearts. But other times we confess that Jesus is Lord through gritted teeth and with tear-stained faces. And in the course of a lifetime, God may give you the opportunity to glorify him both ways. Tell him. Believe him. In the pain. And here's the last thing. Very briefly, obey him. Notice that as we come to the end of chapter 20, there is no resolution to the pain in this chapter. There is a sense in which Jeremiah lives with the pain of seeing the culture advance towards its destruction. But I want you to notice what follows. At the beginning of chapter 21, we're told about a day shortly after when enemy armies advanced against Jerusalem and the king did not know what to do. It was a time of national crisis, and so he called two of his emissaries, and he sent them to whom? 
Jeremiah. Why? Because even though Jeremiah was a man with a broken heart, he was also and still a man with the word of God who did the will of God. And the king knew that. And when a time of crisis came, he said to his attendants, we'd better go and ask the word of the Lord from Jeremiah. Jeremiah's questions were never answered. There's a sense in which his fundamental disappointment was never resolved. But through all his pain, He stands as a man of God with the word of God doing the will of God and that is just about the highest worship of God that anyone can ever offer. And when I think of him, I cannot but think of Jesus who when he came to his greatest agony of body and of soul, what did he do? He told the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was no answer to that question. But he believed the Father and he obeyed the Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that splintered the gates of hell. And it may very well be that the greatest impact of your life in heaven and in hell may not be so much to do with any particular piece of service that you've done through the years of your life, but maybe that when you faced disappointed hopes and shattered dreams, you loved him still. And that just as you believed in him in your pleasure, so you do not cease to believe in him in your pain. Just as you loved him when he gave, you do not cease to love him when he took away. And just as you obeyed him in your joy, so now you will obey him still in your disappointment. And you become a man or a woman of God who even in great pain holds the word of God and does the will of God. You hold your questions for another day. But until that day when faith is turned to sight and all your questions will be answered and then all your pain will be healed, you remain God's man, God's woman with God's word, doing God's will. And that splinters the gates of hell. An encouraging challenge as we finish our message, Disappointed Hopes, part of the larger series, Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. If you want to hear this broadcast again, or any previous broadcast in the series, you can always do that at our website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is able to remain online and on the radio because of your generosity. We want to send you Pastor Colin Smith's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, as a thank you for your regular monthly donation of £5 or more. Colin, how could someone best use this book? 
Well, the six hours that changed the world, of course, are the six hours that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that time, he spoke seven times. And each time he spoke, he gave an insight into what he was actually doing on the cross. So one way in which this book could be used is that you could read one of the sections in each of the seven days leading up to Easter. And that would take you into the heart of what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he accomplished, why he was there, and what difference it makes for you. And for families, this would be very simple. It would take about five minutes to read one of these sections. You could do that each day in the week leading up to Easter, and it would really help all of your family to see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and why it changes everything for all who believe. Well, Colin's book is called Six Hours That Changed the World, and we'd like to send you a free copy as a thank you gift for your regular donation of £5 per month or more. You can find details of this offer and how to make your donation on our website, openthebible.org.uk For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick and we hope you'll join us next time on Open the Bible. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. There is nothing more debilitating than the power of fear. What is the relationship between fear and the Christian life? Find out next time on Open the Bible.